Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brennan Escott with you. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. I will get to a couple of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. It's 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. Uh, We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Don and the staff at Japanese Village thrilled to serve you again for dine-in and take-out uh, orders. For details, visit jvedmonton.ca. Off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Emily, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. It was a great week. How are you? It was a great week. I'm doing well, and uh, many of our listeners would have seen, uh, if, if you know, obviously they've they've probably seen some of your stuff on ESPN's website, but also on Around the Horn, and they might be seeing a lot more of you after the announcement that occurred this week with the uh, re-engagement between ESPN and the National Hockey League. What do you think it means uh, for ESPN, but also for the NHL, Emily? You know, I mean, it's a great day for our company. There's so many puckheads at it, or it was a great day. Um, and we're really pumped to have the rights back. But I think this is huge for the league. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a locker room in the U.S. Um, and have seen ESPN playing. And I think, frankly, guys have been frustrated that their names weren't being mentioned and their highlights weren't being shown. And now it's a whole new ball game. Um, you're in the ESPN ecosystem, which means that now we have rights to the highlights and we can show that on different programs. You already saw yesterday Stephen A. Smith has like a, a hockey segment. It's funny, one of the first texts I got from a player, and players are uniformly pretty pumped about this because, again, it's great for exposure, was I can't wait for the day that Stephen A. Smith starts debating whether Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. And I know that probably sounds crazy to all of you in Edmonton, but um, just imagine the number of eyeballs and reach that can do for hockey. And a lot of casual or non-hockey fans all of a sudden have awareness of our great sport. We do uh, three Oilers now road trips a year to the U.S. in normal times. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of Albertans. Alberta, as you know, has been a fairly affluent province relative to the rest of Canada with a lot of U.S. travel. And so anybody that's down there a lot, I'm down there 70 days a year for the NHL season, Emily, with the Oilers. It's, you know, I'm a huge college football jun- junkie, in part because of what ESPN brings during the fall, uh, <laughs> you know, during the course of the year. And you know, hockey was so far down the the pecking order. By virtue of the rights, is it an automatic that it it weaves its way into the fabric, or or how do you think that's gonna? Do you think it might be seasonal related? Where football, uh, certainly in the southeast, college football in the fall is the number one story. But you know, how do you think that the ESPN is gonna manage that? You know, it's going to be difficult, right? We have the same exact schedule as the NBA, which is another property that ESPN is heavily invested in. If you watch any of our programs, it's very uh, NBA-heavy. We also have overlap with the NFL and college football, as you mentioned, two other properties that are really important to the company. But 
we're in the ball game now. We're in the conversation. Like, I can't tell you how many times the last couple of years I've been on a show, like, or outside the lines, and I wanted to bring up a hockey topic, and they're like, mm, you know, we're not going to be able to have any B-roll or footage of that. So, like, could you talk about something else? And now we don't have to have those conversations. We can just talk about it. Uh, well, it's uh, it, it was certainly, I think, to be frank with you, Emily, I think it's a way bigger deal for the NHL than it is for ESPN. I know the dollars are a lot uh, from that end, from ESPN side, but I, I think NHL is the biggest winner in all of us. You wrote a piece uh, about Artemi Panarin, and the politics on this thing out of Russia are just, they're frankly, they're disturbing. So maybe you can shed some insight for our listeners. Yeah, you know, and it seems like Artemi could return as soon as tomorrow to the Rangers. But um, it was just one of the most bizarre stories I've ever seen in sports. Um, as you guys know, um, hockey players typically aren't outspoken on political events, especially Russians who come over here. If anything, you'll hear them support Putin. But if they're pro-opposition, um, there's usually ramifications of speaking out. Um, and Artemi Panarin has been very vocal in his support for Alexei Navalny, who's the Putin's main opposition leader, did an Instagram post the other month supporting him. And one of his former coaches in Russia um, has this allegation in a newspaper that Artemi Panarin beat up a woman in Latvia 10 years ago. Um, And everyone around Artemi Panarin believes that this is totally false. Um, I've heard that there's no corroborating evidence. People have assured me that nothing's going to come out. There's nothing to this. The KHL told me they were never made aware of it. Um, And the belief is, is that this coach is just politically motivated um, and wanted to smear Artemi Panarin's name, and that's why he had to take a leave of absence from the team. So really unusual. We, we don't typically see this in hockey. I think there's also a lot of disconnect from fans kind of understanding what's going on here. Um, and then complicating matters further is Artemi Panarin's dealing with a back injury, and, you know, maybe he came back too soon, and, and maybe, you know, one of the reasons that he did need time away was just to heal up also. ESPN's Emily Kaplan joining us in Oilers now. Bob Stoffer with you. Emily, uh, the two countries have had a, a different uh, track record to date so far uh, with uh, with COVID. There's, there's a joke in Canada. It's how do you get 400 Canadians to go to a swimming pool? You tell them to go there, and then they'll go. And so Canadians have been, even though we get some debate, even on this show, a hockey show about compliance, Canadians have, have tried to uh, follow a lot of the uh, – federal government initiatives and then at the provincial level on things uh, like social distancing and masking i think it's probably a little tougher sell in some u.s states um, than it is on canada but conversely the united states had operation warp speed and a far greater percentage of the country currently is getting vaccinated are we going to have do you think a potential um a quality issue between the canadian teams and the american teams may become by the fall, you know, the start of next season, where we might not have full fans in Canadian buildings, and I think we're headed down the path where we will have full fans in the U.S. I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, I think it's a total possibility. You know, the biggest thing the NHL is going to monitor is the border situation. Um, you know, if you heard Gary Bettman talk yesterday, as much as everyone in Canada loves the North Division, the North Division probably won't last a day longer than it needs to um, because, as he mentioned, fans in America want to see Connor McDavid and fans in Canada want to see Sidney Crosby. That's a couple other people we want to see here, too, like our American Austin Matthews. Um, but as it turns, you know, you know, so if we can mix up the divisions once again, like they're typical, um, we would have cross-border travel. 
people, but there will be an inequity. I, I am sure of it um, in how many fans are in the arena. Um, and it's just one of the things that teams are going to have to deal with. Um, a lot of things that have been exposed during COVID are unfair and an unbalanced uh, playing field. But it does seem like the league is turning a corner big picture. You know, we don't have as many guys on the COVID list anymore. We haven't had as many disruptions. Um, and as we head to the stretch now, um, there's a very good chance that the Stanley Cup playoffs and finals could have fans in the arena, which I think was unfathomable even a couple weeks ago. Emily, the NHL trade deadline is roughly a month away. Are American teams at an advantage because of the quarantine situation in Canada as opposed to the U.S.? It's 14 days uh, for a player theoretically at this stage. And, and, I mean, if they're quarantining for 14 days, they're going to need at least another week to get back up and running. Uh, Does that perhaps provide an an, an advantageous situation for American-based teams? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an equity, right? And it, it totally is. Uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are a great example. Like, they did it. Um, they, they traded for a player on an American team. Um, they had to deal with a quarantine. Pierre-Luc Dubois came out of the quarantine. He got injured. I don't think it was a really pleasant experience. They're so happy they got the player. Um, but I'm not sure they're ready to repeat that again. And I'm sure a lot of teams around the league, and especially the North Division, are like, we don't want to do that either. Um, you know, the things that I've been hearing ahead of the trade deadline is this probably will be quiet than most years. Um, Yes, the border restrictions and quarantine requirements are part of it. I also think that there's more teams this year than ever before on internal salary caps, maybe not willing to take on more money. Um, You know, their owners telling the GM, look, you got to keep expenses at bay. Um, And there's also just a lot of teams that are unsure of where they're at at this point of the season. Are we contending? Are we bottom dwelling? They just don't know because it's just been so unusual. So um, if business gets done, I actually think it's going to get done in the next week or two. Um, And I I think it's going to be very, very slow on actual trade deadline day. Emily, Monday was International Women's Day. We had Quinn Phillips on our show. She does uh, TV here at Edmonton on Global TV. Her father was uh, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers from their infancy in the NHL uh, until 2010. I did the last two years with them. And uh, we talked a bit about her journey and who some of her role models were. And just, uh, you know, I'd kind of be interested. Did you have um, a couple on-air personalities uh, or maybe writers that you looked up to uh, as sort of of, uh, you know, mentors of yours and that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's never one woman I always looked up to. And, and it's, I, I feel shame because I, I want to have that woman. I'm lucky because the first women were in the locker rooms in the 1970s. And I'm kind of standing on the shoulders of all these women who broke barriers before me. And I loved growing up. There's a woman named Tara Sullivan. She was the first sports columnist I saw. Uh, you know, women were just never giving their opinion on sports. And, and she was giving opinions on all New York-related teams, which is really cool. Um, at ESPN, Ramona Shelburne is someone that I've just always admired and in fact when I came to ESPN I told my boss I want to be like the Ramona Shelburne of hockey and they flew me out um, just to see uh, to LA and I spent a day with her to shadow her and see how she does her business and damn she is always on the phone always working sources um, and has also showed me how you can balance the family life because now she's a mom so those are like a couple women that I've looked up to but again there's just so many incredible women, um, you know, uh, that have broke these barriers. And I feel fortunate because now when I interview athletes, they're used to a woman talking to them. It's no longer a novelty. And I think that they just treat me like a peer.
Well, one of the things that you've been able to uh, to build is, is trust in terms of reporting on what life has been like for players playing during COVID times. And I know you did a, you and Greg Wyshynski did uh, some work uh, in the bubble. And now we have a little bit different scenario. I think we're more open than ever before on, on issues like mental health and hockey, and we've come a long way in that regard. But when you've talked to the players this season, what sort of reoccurring themes do you hear for the challenges that today's players incur, uh, uh, sort of incurring uh, as they, uh, you know, as we've had a return to play here? Isolation, loneliness, uh, heightened anxiety and depression. And when I say all of these things, um, if you're listening, you're probably like, well, I've been dealing with that too, because that's what we're all been dealing with in the pandemic. Um, and hockey players are no different. You know, a lot of the guys I talked to um, did have reticence, you know, being candid about it, because there's always the perception that hockey players are paid handsomely to play a sport for a living and therefore shouldn't complain. Um, but as Nick Foligno, the captain of the Blue Jackets, told me, like, he hates that excuse because that's part of the problem. Like, we should be understanding, um, if we're really tr- uh, serious about treating everybody the same, um, that we have more in common than we think. And mental health is a spectrum. It's not binary. Some days can be better than others. We can, you know, you don't have to be rock bottom to get help. And I think hockey players are more and more, as you said, open about talking about these things. We've had some pioneers like Robin Lanner, like Tyler Mott, um, who've been really, really candid about their mental health disorders and what they're going through. Um, but the more people that can speak up, the better, because it's constructive. It makes for a better conversation, um, and it helps all of us have a little more empathy. Emily, great stuff. Uh, I look forward to seeing you doing some sideline stuff next year on top of the writing. That would, or, that'd be awesome. You know what I'm saying? I hope so. It's, uh, oh, I'm just I'm so pumped about the possibilities, so thank you, Bob. All right, thank you for your time. We'll touch base again. That is Emily Kaplan from ESPN. It is 121 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chad. I think what he's doing really good is play 100% in all situations. Uh, he doesn't go into a situation like uh, uh, 50%, 60%. Like it's, uh, it's hard. He's hard on guys, close on guys. Uh, good stick, has a good gap. Uh, all those kind of things, like passing the puck, shooting the puck, like you gotta do those things like 100% uh, and really hard. And uh, that's what I've been uh, picking up most, and uh, try to try to do that the, the same thing. That is William Lagason talking about his defense partner for tonight's game, Adam Larson. And Lagason is, I'll be the first to admit to it. Um, I didn't. I didn't see the progression uh, that he made prior to his injury. I didn't. I didn't see that in his game. Like I thought, we're talking organizationally speaking about maybe a number seven or eight prospect uh, for a club, and he's pushing himself ahead of some other guys here because he can flat out defend, and the orders don't give up a lot because he's difficult to play against. Bigger body uh, has a defined role. And that's William Lagason talking about his defense partner, Adam Larson, who's really bounced back here. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. You know that Brent Rich Ford is a 10-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction. They win it because they treat you fairly. 
when you purchase a vehicle, they offer uh, competitive prices on warranties, insurance coverage, and financing fees. And they don't forget about you if there is a little hiccup along the way. They've got an excellent service department as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling them. You can reach them at one eight seven seven four seven seven thirty six seventy three or visit brentridge.com. Time now to go into the North Division Report, which we do three times a week on Oilers Now. It is brought to you by Craig Hummel at Remax Excellence. Here's Brendan Escott. Edmonton can move into sole possession of second in the North with a win tonight. Calgary won its first game with Daryl Sutter as head coach last night over Montreal, leapfrogging, uh, leapfrogging Vancouver into fifth place. Claims and Habs will meet again tomorrow night. Vancouver will host the Oilers on Saturday. Uh, Vancouver ahead of only Ottawa in the standings now through 30 games played for the Canucks. Not looking too sharp on the West Coast. Brought to you by Craig Hummel at Remax Excellence. Finding your dream home, listing your old home. It all starts at soldtodayedmonton.ca. List it, sell it, move on. You know, it's interesting, Brendan, you mentioned that with Vancouver. I mean, there was so much excitement. And this is this is back to, and again, the person I spoke to, I don't want to say who it is, but he was with a really good team that went a long way in the bubble. And he's in, been in the mix for some NHL general manager jobs in the last three months. So that's your little tip-off. That's your hint. Uh, and he said to me, the biggest thing you could do is overvalue what occurred in the bubble because it was so foreign. And he goes, especially for teams that were, you know, out in – it was a best of three. So for those teams that have to play in the play-in series, and you look at Vancouver, they knocked off Minnesota. Uh, they defeated the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis, and they gave Vegas a run because they got really good goaltending. They've actually had good goaltending from Thatcher Demko this year, but uh, their support scoring and some of that positive energy that they had last year kind of went astray. They got behind the eight ball, and now they're 30 games into the season. Uh, that said, Edmonton's got to take care of business tonight against Ottawa. And then they got the Canucks. The Oilers have been pretty good on the second of the back-to-backs. Uh, Jack Michaels will have a, a number for us uh, here uh, coming up a little bit later on. We'll talk about the second of back-to-backs in a second. I want to go back into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Derek says, what a joke that Cahoon is getting scratched and Patrick Russell is in. Uh, Russell is not an NHL player, and they haven't even tried McDavid with Cahoon. Frustrating from Derek. Uh, tonight, it'll be Tyler Ennis. I wonder if there's, a, just based on Dave Tippett's response, he was asked about, uh, you know, uh, I think Jim Matheson asked a question today uh, about Dominic Cahoon and Tippett said he's they're not displeased with him and he's going to be back in the lineup shortly which makes me wonder whether or not he might get in against the, and this is where you might see on some of these back-to-backs sort of exploring and deploying more of the players in your lineup uh here we go Roland says Bob I was impressed by William Lagason all the way back to his first two rookie games against the Golden Bears amazing to see all these system developed defensemen stepping up he's a keeper uh role uh playing defenseman for us whom the orders have been patient with that comes to us for from Roland I think Dave Manson 
has played a factor in guys like Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear. I mean, those are fourth and fifth round picks. Uh, Lagason's a fourth round pick. They're liking what they're seeing out of Nima Linen down in the minors as well right now. So there's another name for you. 129 in Edmonton off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Belt. Back with Jack Michaels when we return in Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.